Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Sports opinions with a side of satire. We're the first in tens, a weekly show delivering the spiciest opinions on football, life, and especially each other. And we can do that because we've been best friends for so long. I'm Amy. And I'm Jasmine. First in tens will bring you sports from the female perspective while also injecting pop culture, fashion, and music into our daring dialogue. We're saucy, edgy, and most of all, we, we think, think we're, we're funny, funny AF. First in tens, light on stats, heavy on sass. Follow us at firstintenspodcast.com. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited to be joined by Senior Vice President of Marketing for the Philadelphia 76ers, Brittany Boyd. Brittany shares her four pillars of success, the importance of being intentional, and the importance of thinking a step ahead. She also highlights collaboration over competition and just how imperative it is to know your worth. This episode is filled with tangible advice that everyone can start using today. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review and follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And with that, let's get to it. Brittany, thank you so much for joining me today for Get My Job. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Well, I am excited to have you on. So much to talk about. Your job is very cool and it is responsible for so many different things. So want to jump into it. But first, um, obviously right now you're the Senior Vice President of Marketing for the Philadelphia 76ers. Congratulations on the new coach. Thank you. Thank you. We're very excited. Couldn't have gotten a better pick. No, def- definitely not. And I live in Los Angeles, so uh, big Doc Rivers fan. So that is great news. But I want to talk about you. Uh, so I, first and foremost, I would love if you could take us a little bit through your career journey that brought you to Philadelphia. Sure, sure. So at this point, I've been in the sports and entertainment industry for a, a bit over 10 years. And it has been a phenomenal ride. Um, So starting with the Dallas Cowboys, uh, making my way up to Brooklyn with the Brooklyn Nets and Barclays Center, and then jumping into my HBSC family, first with the New Jersey Devils and Prudential Center, and ultimately now the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, What I will say is, you know, one of the most unique and probably valuable parts about my career journey is that I've gotten the opportunity not only to work with all of these amazing brands and in these phenomenal markets, but I've worked in a variety of different business verticals. So Mm -hmm. I've worked in event operations, premium services, guest experience, corporate partnerships, um, and now marketing. And I think that that has given me a comprehensive vantage point on our fans and the consumer of sports from all of the different angles. And, you know, so now I'm able to piece all of this together um, in my new role, uh, leading our marketing team for the Philadelphia 76ers. And I couldn't be more excited. Like the Sixers brand is iconic, arguably one of the most powerful brands in all of sports across our country and the world. Uh, And the team that's in place now is just an award-winning well-old machine. So I couldn't be in a better position Uh, for success. And I cannot wait to see what we do this year together um, this season. 
And the last thing that I would say, really just thinking about career journey and, and how I got here is um, it, it really boils down to being extremely intentional, like in mm-hmm. choosing the school that I went to, to get my MBA, I was intentional in it being in close proximity to professional sports, 10 minutes from the Dallas Cowboys, Rangers was across the street and the Dallas Mavericks was about 20 minutes up the highway. Luckily, I landed with the Dallas Cowboys, which is my number one pick. Um, mm-hmm. But like, it was intentional that I was, I put myself in the position to be able to work in professional sports. Um, and then popping up to Brooklyn was very intentional. And um, we hosted a conference in Dallas um, for International Association of Venue Managers. And I wanted to move to New York and take the leap out of Texas um, so I highlighted all of the people who were coming from New York venues and teams and made it a mission to meet all of them, to develop a relationship and to explore opportunities to make it to New York. Um, and then lastly, in my, in my current role, you know, when I popped over to HBIC, I was very vocal, um, and intentional about what direction I wanted to take my career. And luckily, uh, we have a, a leadership team that, listens and that has invested in me and my career and aligned uh, my skills with what they feel is best for the business and has enabled me to move across different business verticals within the company. So there are a couple things I want to unpack there from from what you said. Obviously, so important to be intentional. And obviously, you did a fantastic job of setting yourself up for what you wanted to do. How important is it, though, to still be somewhat flexible and open to opportunities as they come up. Very, very important. I mean, just looking at how I've jumped across different business verticals, like, I mean, my advice really is to, you know, when an opportunity presents itself, commit, like get curious, learn, commit yourself to being the best in that area and and know that you're going to take transferable skills across different business verticals. You can commit now and connect the dots later. Like my mm-hmm. experience has been while well, all inside of sports and entertainment, it's been across, like, it's not a traditional path, but what I'll say is that I think that it's put me in a position to understand um, the entirety of the business and not a lot of people um, get that direct experience in different lanes. And it had to, to your point, it goes back to me being open to try and learn new things, not being afraid to jump in. And, and, you know, like, I think especially as, you know, career professionals, you know, you strive to be the expert in your particular field. Um, and in my path, you know, because I jumped into new verticals so um, quickly, you know, I'm when I go in, I'm not the expert. And that can be incredibly uncomfortable. Uh, but at the same time, like that uncomfort, discomfort, um, means that I'm growing and that I'm learning and that I'm adding new tools to my toolbox. And that is just incredibly rewarding. And then taking my past experiences and tying them into current roles um, and leadership positions has just shown that like all the dots connect. Um, and it just makes me a stronger executive and a stronger leader for my team um, and, and a stronger business part of, partner um, when working with other people across the business. As you look at the various roles you've held, where did you find the biggest learning curve? Where was the biggest amount of discomfort? Mm, That's a great question. I would say going from um, 
going from kind of guest experience and event operations into my business operations role was the biggest learning curve. And I, and I really think that my, the three years that I spent as vice president of business operations for Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment gave me the tools needed to really jump in any area of the business. My role was ultimately to um, focus on three main things. I was focused on revenue generation across all of our departments. So bigger projects that needed someone to um, find the synergies and optimize and find efficiencies amongst the various departments to drive toward a goal of generating more revenue. Um, It was focused on communication and policies across the company, um, again, for optimization purposes. And then lastly, it was really focused on building the culture. And so it was a lot of, you know, training and development. And obviously that subset of leadership skills helps me to manage any team across any department and arguably any industry. And so, you know, that was a huge leap from what I was doing, but it really allowed me to dig in. You know, I was working across corporate partnerships, ticket sales, marketing, um, arena operations. I, I managed our concessions business, our merchandise business. I um, One of my bigger projects was opening our Grammy Museum experience, the East Coast home for the Grammys. So I really got to get my hands into a lot of things um, at a high level and, and dig in where I needed to, to learn more details and to grow my own skill sets. And I think that that opportunity really set me up for success to be able to move into any other business vertical and, and do the same. Culture, you, you spoke of culture, and that's uh, obviously a very important world. Uh, sorry, a very important word. <laughs> that, <laughs> having trouble getting the words out, but it's obviously a very important word and uh, something that is a priority for a variety of businesses. What did you enjoy about being able to be you know, responsible for helping to build that? I enjoyed that most, I would have to say. And it's something that I've, um, I've, put first as um, a top priority with any team that I'm managing or leading. I have four key principles that I use when I transition into new teams. Um, And the first of those four pillars is people. Um, And it's investing in your people. It's understanding your people, what they do, what they want to do. um, And then putting all those people together, like that big puzzle, like that really creates your culture. Um, I also really learned to look at it not so much as a noun, like mm-hmm. we're creating a culture, but it's more of a verb. And like when you think about scientists um, and when they culture something, it's they are putting certain things in for certain results, right? And or taking things out. It's like putting things in a controlled environment to get the results that you want. And so I truly believe that, you know, depending on what you're trying to achieve within a particular team, there are certain things that you need to add. There are certain things you need to take away and you have to really understand the people that you're working with and their strengths to figure out what the, what that magic recipe is. Like it's not the same across all teams and all companies. Um, mm-hmm. and, and ultimately does um, drive up to the priorities and, and business outcomes that you want to achieve. So it, it's, um, it's a little bit of a custom um solution, depending on where you're at and what you're trying to do and the the people that make up your team. 
but it's number one and I think critical for the success of any high performing team. What are the other three pillars? Are you able to share those with us? Yes, of course. So people um, is number one. Uh, priorities is number two, followed by projects and then process. So I, I dove into people, but you know, priorities and projects somewhat go hand in hand. But what I find, especially in the sports and entertainment world, we have 100 things going on at all times. And we have, everyone has a um, laundry list of projects that they're working on. And a lot of times people can mistake their projects for the priorities, right? And so I like mm-hmm. to differentiate the two. And it's, you know, I priorities are, again, those three overarching business objectives and company goals that every department should be ultimately driving towards. And all of the work that we're doing should be laddering up to three core goals that really drive the business. Um, and then the projects are the things that we're doing to support those priorities. And it's interesting when I dig in with teams and ask them to take a look at what they're doing and and have them just challenge themselves and their teams. Does this project ladder up to a priority? And if not, why not? Um, and if we can't come up with a good reason to keep it going, then it may not be something that we want to continue to do because it's not optimizing the business or ultimately driving us toward a, a goal that we're trying to achieve. Um, and then lastly is process. And so process is just how do we wrap all of those things together, the people, the priorities, the projects, how do we wrap it up? How do we um, keep it consistent? How do we optimize? How do we collaborate um, and work together um, to achieve our goals? So in your role now uh, with the 76ers, what are some of the projects and priorities that you are working on? Yeah, so we have um, a lot going on. So my current role, you know, I'm working with our growth marketing and digital strategy teams. We have business development as well as um, fan development through our community and youth initiatives. There's game presentation and entertainment, marketing operations, social media and content, um, and then, you know, brand and our creative team. Um, and so I'm applying the same, the same, um, the pillars that I've used previously. And so, you know, I've been in my role for about three weeks now. And so the first thing that I did was just meet one-on-one with all the people from all of those various teams, from our vice presidents to our coordinators. I wanted to have one-on-ones. I wanted to understand, put faces with names, um, know exactly who's doing what what they want to do, where they want to be, how they want to grow, um, what their challenges are, what our current processes are, and, you know, projects that are on everyone's plates. Um, And so ultimately, what I'm going to do with all of that information is ladder it all together and determine what our priorities will be for this upcoming season so that we can align all of those different lanes. Um, Because everyone, like I said, the team is phenomenal. And everyone is running, you know, really fast in their own respective lanes. Um, Mm -hmm. But I want to, I think my first priority and goal is to make sure that we're all running toward the same priorities and then um, finding um, a refined process to see how do we collaborate across those lanes so that we're running together um, as efficiently and effectively as possible. So no key areas um, that I've identified yet as priorities, but through that work of talking with everyone and understanding, you know, what, 
last year's successes were and what we want to achieve this year, um, I'm starting to put that strategy and that plan into place. Throughout your career, have you had a mentor or various mentors at the different stops along the way? Yes, I have. I've been incredibly fortunate to have some really phenomenal mentors in, in every place that I've worked, really. Um, and I could go on and on and name a ton of them. I mean, Lauren Weekith was my first manager at the Dallas Cowboys. She's a uh, from Philadelphia, and she's relocated back home. So I look forward to connecting with her again. And um, Natara Holloway, who is um, vice president of business operations for the NFL, has been incredibly impactful and someone that I've leaned on throughout my career. Um, Donna Daniels, who is the general manager for Prudential Center and works in our HBSC family. Um, and she was our um, EVP of business operations when I was working in business operations. We have a phenomenal relationship. And then lastly, I mean, I could name a hundred more, but um, I also think it's incredibly important to note, you know, a lot of people think of mentors as um, managers or people who are more ahead in their career than yourself. Um, and what I found is that I have a lot of peer mentors that have been incredibly impactful as well. Um, you know, people that are in the day-to-day -day with you that are going through the same things as you and you're pinging ideas and talking to each other. And that peer-to-peer -peer mentorship is, is um, I think, overlooked a lot. And I think it's really, really powerful to have someone who is in the trenches with you and is giving you advice and you can look at as a, a mentor too. And it's important. I think I'm really glad you brought up peer mentorship because I think it's really important for young women in the sports industry now, or women in the sports industry now, women who want to get in the sports industry to understand how important it is to work together and mm -hmm. to support each other and not be competitive with each other. So I'm really glad you brought up peer mentorship because it's such an important part of what we do. Yes. And, and when you think about it too, and you think about your network, right? Like the people that I started with early on in my career, you know, that it, you think of it almost like graduating classes, right? Like these are your peers now that you lean mm -hmm. on within the industry to get deals done, to share best practices. And so it really, no one benefits from looking at it in a competitive way. Um, and that's one thing that I really love about sports and entertainment and working in the industry, like they're, you know, while on the fields and courts and, and soap and ice, it's incredibly competitive. Obviously, that's the nature of sports. What I found in the front office is that we are incredibly collaborative across the leagues and across um, the teams. Um, and so, you know, when you have that opportunity, when you're working with someone hand in hand and working together with someone, just thinking 10 years down the line, how this is going to be you know, someone that you may need to call on at an agency or at a different team or at the league. Um, so just thinking about just how small the industry really is and how um, impactful those relationships are going to be in your future is important as well. So you are one of the co-founders of Black Women in Sports and Entertainment, BYs for mm -hmm. the acronym. I love a good acronym. Um, <laughs> and I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about the process of starting that and the work you guys are doing. And does that kind of go back to what you were just talking about? 
Yes, actually it does. It's funny that you say that because uh, my other co-founder is um, a woman that I worked with when I was with the Brooklyn Nets. And we were, you know, much more junior in our careers and definitely could have looked at each other as competition and who's going to get that promotion. But I think what we did is that, you know, us along with some others is that we really formed this alliance of, of ladies in the office that were there just to support one another. And we would talk about some of the challenges of being women in these male dominated spaces. And we would, you know, speak for one another during meetings. If someone else got cut off, we would say, Hey, she wasn't done speaking. Can you allow her to continue um, that idea? Like we were a support system for each other. We rooted for one another. If someone got promoted, it was a celebration for us all. Um, And so Stephanie Tomlin is her name. And, you know, later on down the line, we were talking like she's been out to L.A. She's worked for the Staples Center. Um, She's now the general manager for Kings Theater in Brooklyn. And we were talking and we were like, we really should put something together to provide that same support and network for other young black women who are coming up in this industry because it was so impactful for us. Um, And we've learned so much by trial and error of navigating that space. Like we should share our insights. We should build a space um, that is safe and people can feel understood and seen in some of those challenges that you face, especially um, when you look at um, intersectionality, like not only being a woman, but being a woman of color in such a male dominated space. Um, we, We felt like we of course, don't have all the keys to success, but we have some keys to success and some things that we should share um, and not keep to ourselves. And so that's, that was the impetus for Be Wise. We wanted to create a space um, for Black women in the industry to engage with one another, to be a support network, to normalize some of the issues that we face on a day-to-day. We wanted to empower women by by giving platforms where they can see other women in leadership positions and say, you know what, I could do that, even though I may not see it at my organization. Um, I've heard this, these ladies, I've heard their stories. Um, they've shared some of their insights and, and how they navigated this space. And you know what, so can I. And so we wanted to empower them in that way. And then lastly, we're hoping that our, our, our uh, network, we can elevate some of these ladies. You know, a lot of companies are looking to diversify their leadership teams and their companies. And we think that this is a great way to build a pipeline of really successful and talented um, Black women that we can point to when companies are looking to diversify their workforce. That is fantastic. That's that's fantastic. What a great organization. And and something we all should be doing, trying to elevate each other, which Mm -hmm. is really... Fantastic. And I love the story you told how if someone was speaking and they got interrupted, that you would say, wait a minute, she wasn't done. Let her finish. And I think that's so important because that happens so much, I believe, to women in all industries. And I think it's really important when another woman can step in and say, wait a second, she wasn't done talking. Let's let's let her finish. It's that's important. I think and I think that's a really important thing also to draw attention to it, because sometimes people may not even realize they do that in interrupting. Mm-hmm. And it's or important, even, you know, or even one of our favorites, one of our favorites was, isn't that exactly what Ebony just said? You know, just pointing. <laughs> oh, that back. is always a good one. 
<laughs> pointing back to the fact that like, oh, this new shiny idea was actually already said, but we weren't listening um, for whatever reason. Uh -huh. um, we like to point back to the, the person that originally brought an idea to the table. Um, but yeah, that was one some of our some of our support mechanisms for one another. That's a favorite of mine too, because as a sports <laughs> reporter, I find myself talking to men who think it's really cool that I'm a sports reporter. And then they ask me a question and I will give them the answer, which is an informed, well thought out answer because this is what mm -hmm. I do on a daily basis. And yep. either they argue with me for the sake of arguing or they will say, well, that's interesting, but, and then repeat exactly what I just said. <laughs> Uh -huh. <laughs> and, and it's it's an unbelievable phenomenon. Unbelievable. So <laughs> and it's always nice to know that other people experience it too. Yes, for <laughs> it's all, sure. Yep. But it is it's very funny. So I'm I'm really glad that that's something you guys are bringing attention to because I think that's really important. Um, along those lines, because um, you talked about obviously having some of the keys to success and. From where, from where I'm sitting, I think you have a number of the keys to success, if not oh, all of them. You. <laughs> uh, you're, well, you're very welcome. I was wondering if you could give our listeners, if you had one piece of advice for someone, who, a woman who wanted to get into the sports industry, what would it be? Um, so I would say, you know, there's that old saying, you know, dress for the job you want, not the job you have. Mm -hmm. um, I do, you know, obviously. Right now, it's a little off since we're all in hoodies and on Zoom. Right. But I've always, <laughs> I've always kind of said to some of my mentees um, and peers to do the job you want and not just the job you have. Right. It's mm -hmm. always thinking one step ahead. So whether you're trying to get into sports or you've just gotten into sports, I think it's really important to understand that, like, being a phenomenal coordinator does not mean that you are going to be or ready to be a manager. And I think that's mm -hmm. um, a myth that a lot of people think is I can do my job really well. And that means I'll get promoted. And that's not always the case. I think that um, getting curious, asking questions and taking initiative towards the next step in your career is really important. So it's like doing the job you have really well, of course, like you have to do that to just show that you're able to master that skill um, and that role. But then it's stepping outside of that and taking initiative to explore the other opportunities or to um, be vocal and tell people what you want to do, how you're looking to grow, what skill you're honing in on to um, enable your growth. People will lean in and help you if you show that you have initiative and you have a plan. Like I, I, I tell people a lot of times, like everybody has great ideas. But when someone lays out a plan on how to bring that idea to life, that sets them moons apart from people who can just have great ideas. And so I think it's very similar to when, because everybody wants to be promoted, everyone wants to grow, everyone wants to be a leader, but it's the people who are taking initiative to build their leadership skills, the intangible skills that are not necessarily skill related or technical. It's, you know, it's communication and inspiring and motivation and, and, you know, um, being able to communicate and, and push an idea forward, um, are some of the intangible skills that are important for a leader to have in addition to technical skills and, 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 um, you know, things of that nature. So I think what I would just say is like, 
be vocal on what you want to do mm-hmm. next um, and then take initiative and steps toward achieving that goal in addition to obviously killing your current role. Did you receive any criticism early on that has kind of helped make you better at your job today, even though at the time it may have not been the most welcome thing to hear? But the- <laughs> No, I actually, I love criticism. It's funny. I I get shy with like um, praise and appreciation. Um, I know how important that is from a motivation standpoint. But for me, I always get awkward like, oh, thanks. <laughs> but I love criticism and feedback and direct feedback. I think that's so important. And I think people need to become more comfortable seek, like, and proactively seek out um, improvement or else you're not growing, you're not getting better, you're not challenging yourself. Um, And I would say one thing early on in my career, my boss, Jason Sandoval, he was my director when I was in Brooklyn, told me was, um, you know, basically like, you don't have to be a (laughs) know-it-all. So I had had come from the Dallas Cowboys. I had just opened up what was then Cowboys Stadium um, and is now AT&T Stadium, one of the biggest stadiums in the world, most premium, you know, everything was best in class. And I popped up to Brooklyn to help open Barclays Center. And so, and I was still fairly young in my career. I was a manager. And so I wanted to speak first. I wanted Mm -hmm. to make sure my ideas were heard. I wanted to solve all the problems, you know, and I wanted to basically like, you know, the recognition and prove myself that, you know, my skills and knowledge were, were valuable. I was bringing something to the team. Um, and he basically told me one day, like, you know, you don't necessarily have to be the first to answer. You don't Mm -hmm. have to be, you know, the smartest person in the room. Like if you are, you're in the wrong room. And that has really resonated with me. It made me realize, um, that the best leaders were not the ones who were giving the answers, right? They were the ones who were listening and they were asking really good questions, and finding custom solutions and not necessarily just pointing back to something they had done in the past, but building off of what other people were suggesting, coming out with a collaborative approach and the best custom solution for whatever problem was in front of them. And I thought that that was incredibly impactful. Um, And then fast forward to HBSC and our president, Hugh Weber, um, I've learned a ton in working with and observing his leadership style. he has been in the industry for a long time, very smart, probably knows the answers to everything. Um, but he will typically just ask you questions and challenge you to find answers for yourself. And so I think that has been um, a build on to the lesson that I learned in Brooklyn. And, you know, as a leader, when you're leading a team, also, it's not about them coming to you for answers and you giving them the answers because that's not empowering them. It's not challenging them to think. And also, you know, your way or what you've done in the past may not be the best solution for that problem that's in front of you right then. So, mm-hmm. you know, posing the question to that person or to the group and then pulling together a solution based on feedback, um, that has really become a part of my leadership style. That's fantastic. And that's really fantastic invite advice. And I hope some advice that our listeners really take to heart because, you don't need to know everything. And asking questions is so much how we learn. Um, really going back to what you said about criticism, and, and that's where you learn. Asking questions is where you learn, and it's okay not to know everything. And, it, and it's okay to 
want other kinds of feedback and really, really love what you said about how something you did in the past at one place doesn't necessarily apply to another. And I do believe the people that will get ahead the most are the ones that can adapt. Kind of really what you said in the beginning, you know, being open and intentional and then committing to what you need to do. So I I think that's tremendous advice. And curious, just getting curious and staying curious your entire career. Like I never want to be to the point where I feel like I'm the expert and know everything and what I'm doing um, because that means I'm not learning and I'm not growing and I'm not challenging myself. Um, So like that feeling of content or being an expert is not something that I strive to do. And the I'm smartest curious. people, I I believe, are the those that are intellectually curious their entire lives. Mm-hmm. So you could have gotten straight A's and aced the SATs and all the things, but then if you stop learning, it's not going to be the same throughout your life. Yeah, that is uh, very important. Do you see women making a misstep when trying to break into the sports industry that you would wish you didn't see anymore? <laughs> Um, I think this one really goes back to um, not being vocal in in what you want, right? Mm -hmm. And not to say, like, don't take an opportunity that's in front of you. I think you definitely take an opportunity as it's presented to you. And like I said, you can commit now and connect the dots later. But I, I do think something, I mean, this is age old, right, in regards to women negotiating position, salary, pay you know, title, et cetera. Um, I think that women, I think we just need to continue to normalize asking for what we want and and being vocal about where we want to be. Um, And it's, I mean, we've done, I know within HBSC, we've done some um, women leadership luncheons and so forth. And this has definitely been a topic of discussion. Um, One of our HR professionals even shared, they're like, you know, hey, out of my 25 years in this industry, you know, and all of the job offers I've ever given, um, I've only had two women come back and counter. Wow. And I cannot recall the last time I've made an offer to a man that has not countered. And so that to me was like, wow, are you serious? Like she's been in this industry forever. Um, and, and not just sports and entertainment, but in HR. And she is like, literally women need to step up and ask for what they want. Um, she's like, men just counter just for fun, I think. And women very (laughs) rarely, rarely will ask for more money or a different title or something of that nature. So I would just say like being vocal, asking for what we want, being strategic and smart in the way that you position, of course, but not just taking the first thing that someone offers. That's fascinating. That's it's really amazing for her to say that. Mm-hmm. What it, but it, oddly, it's like shocking, but not you know at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's that's incredible. But I think it really you know drives home that point, and that's really really important. You, no one's a mind reader, so mm-hmm. you do. No one's a mind reader. And, and know your worth and your value and, and ask for what you, you know that you're worth and, and what you should be valued at, I think is important. And I think that's important for all areas of life. I think that's I a really important uh, piece of advice generally. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your work with the Pro Sports Assembly? 
Yes. So Pro Sports Assembly, we just recently launched actually. Um, as Pro Sports Assembly is an, is an association, um, the first of its kind in sports, that is focused on the people that work for professional um, sports teams, leagues, and unions. And so um, ultimately, it's it's geared on one, our moonshot goal for 2030 is to see 50-50 parity in leadership with women and minorities in leadership positions across sports. Um, and in order to achieve that, the assembly is providing tools and resources um, for development and growth of individuals, as well as equity tools for companies. Um, so we've partnered with the Female Quotient um, to create an equity calculator so that organizations can see how they rank in different areas of um, you know, pipeline parity, pay, and then with a separate tool, um, how to create policy to um, drive results toward um, making that score better across your organization. Um, and so, you know, the impetus is really, you know, like the players, obviously, there is um, diverse representation in our players in sports, and they have a lot of tools and resources and support. Um, there's diverse representation of our fans and community, and obviously everything that we do as the employees running teams um, is geared toward fans and community. So, you know, this association is for you know, the people behind the scenes and ensuring that we are also a representation of the other key components of the business being players, fans, and obviously um, personnel. And if you look at the board um, that we put together, our advisory board and our governing board, we were really, really intentional of being a representation of what we want to see in the industry. So if, you know, if you were to go to prosportsassembly.com and look at the leadership team, it's comprised of both, um, you know, it's comprised of all different backgrounds. Um, and we thought that was really important because it couldn't just be women and it couldn't just be people of color. Like in order to achieve this goal, we all have to buy in and understand the importance of representation, diversity and thought um, and how that can drive your business forward. And so we had to create a board and advisory committee that was a representation of that. Um, so we're really, really proud of the board that we created and all the buy-in that we've gotten from various teams um, and leagues across professional sports. And just really excited to see um, all of our hard work and preparation come to life. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. On, on getting that started. That's really incredible. All what Laura Dixon from the San Antonio Spurs. It is her... Um, brainchild so to speak and she pulled together the collective phenomenal group of advisors and governing board members to really bring her vision to life so all the credit goes to her she tapped me about a year and a half ago now um and her leadership and and vision has just been phenomenal to see um just the process of bringing it to life fantastic Fantastic. Well, then congratulations to Laura as well. Maybe we can get her on Get My Job at some point. Yeah. I would <laughs> love to talk to her. Uh, well, before we get to five fun facts, you obviously wear a number of different hats and have excelled in a number of places. So I would love to know if you could take us through a day in the life of Brittany Boyd. Oh, my goodness. 
(laughs) (laughs) So I am a mommy of a two-year-old daughter named Carter Ray. Um, And I would say she's hit terrible twos. But then all of my colleagues and friends tell me that, you know, three and four is much, much worse. So I was like, what? Nobody ever told me that. Um, (laughs) It doesn't have the same ring to it. Terrible twos (laughs) just like sounds a little more catchy than terrible threes and fours. Exactly. They just wanted to, they just leaned into the alliteration and left uh-huh. out the important details. Um, it's progressively getting more fun. Um, I also um, am married for five years now to my husband, Ryan Boyd. Um, and we actually met at the Cowboys. Oh, wow. Um, that's awesome. But a day in the life is really just, you know, I wake up. I, um, I typically do, um, a scripture through my Bible app when I first wake up and then I listen to Justin Sua podcast. It's like a three minute podcast. It's on leadership. It's called increase your impact. It's super impactful, super quick. I love it because it's, it's bite size. Um, but I always have a good takeaway just to start my day. Typically make breakfast for Carter. Um, and then if she eats, I'll jump into some emails. Um, and then I'll get my day started with work after work. I usually try to get an, a quick workout or a play date with Carter. Uh, and then it's dinner time with the family. Um, and then at night, typically my husband and I will, um, catch up and connect, maybe watch Netflix. We've been playing card games with friends during the hiatus oh, fun. Fun on, <laughs> on an app. That's super <laughs> um, fun. But ultimately, like, that's pretty much what it consists of. It's funny, though, because um, something that I've been focused on more recently lately, Dr. Amy Kimball, she's our team psychologist for the New Jersey Devils, and she did a couple of sessions for um, the business side on just, like, managing during this crazy time of COVID. And um, during one of her most recent sessions, I had a huge aha moment. She, she told us to make um, a list, right? Like personal things that I need to get done, professional things I need to get done, and then selfish things that I need to get done. Mm. And I, was, I was like selfish. And so I realized like when I make, because I'm a huge list maker, and when I make a personal list and a professional list, my personal list is comprised of like things for Carter and things for my husband or things for my family or things for my friends or things for the household and just life management. And um, there was nothing on there just for me, like for myself. Um, and so she really encouraged us to give our permission, give ourselves permission to be selfish and to make sure that you had something on the list for self, um, mm-hmm. something that was going to recharge you um, so that you could continue to give, you know, to your personal life and to your professional life, but you had to focus on recharging you. And so that was one of um my big takeaways. And one of the reasons I started doing my, my scripture and podcast in the morning, cause that was like just geared on just for me um, and a way to energize myself. And the word selfish doesn't have to have a negative connotation. It something doesn't. For the self. And I think that's something that has kind of gotten away from us mm-hmm. over the last I was going to say several years, but I would say yeah. probably centuries, decades. I don't know, but I think, you know. I've always, I've always thought of that as like a negative word, but the way that she put it, it was very um, positive and it was empowering and it is important. Um, and so that was a huge aha moment for me. I was like, hey, sometimes you have to be a little selfish. <laughs> and Absolutely. just pour into yourself. 
And I think we're all we're all going to be better in all parts of our lives if we are able to do something for ourselves that recharges us and that it's, you know, really important. And I think somehow in recent years that idea got away from us, but it is really important. The idea of self-care means so many different things. So whether it be your scripture or your podcast or going for a run or taking a bubble bath or whatever it is, mm-hmm. self-care can mean so many things, but it is integral for all of us to be better in our personal lives, in our professional lives, uh, because we all need a recharge. It's, I agree. It's really important for all of us. Well, before I let you go, we are going to get to my favorite part of the episode always. (laughs) So it's time, uh, five fun facts. I think our listeners know this, Brittany. I don't know if you know the the genesis of five fun facts. It's something I do with the 49ers players uh, one-on-one, and they get to tell us five things about themselves that you wouldn't otherwise know. But on this podcast, we ask the same five questions every week, and it's been so much fun because we get all different answers. And that is the cool part of it. So without further ado, five fun facts. Let's do it. All right, Brittany, what is your favorite moment in sports? I would say um, our home opener when I was opening the Cowboys Stadium. It was Dallas Cowboys versus Giants. 120,000 people coming into a brand new building. It was electric and fun. And we won. Yay. <laughs> what is your life motto? There is always better than your best. Ooh, I like that a lot. What is your go-to workout? Boot camp. I love a good boot camp. Um, Barry's boot camp is great, but um, any any kind of like really high intense weight and cardio boot camp. Go-to coffee order. Vanilla latte. And a book every woman should read. Um, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Fantastic. Brittany, thank you so much for joining me today. This was, not only was this a lot of fun, but you gave us such important and specific advice and action items that I think everybody listening can take with them into their daily lives and careers, no matter what they do. So I really appreciate that. So thank you so much. Thank you. And again, I appreciate you for having me on. It was fantastic. You guys, if you like what you heard, and I know you did, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review and follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. I'll talk to everybody next week. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.